This is AgriPulse Daybreak for Monday, March 12th. Good morning. I'm Jeff Daly. Here's today's headlines. State Department wants to know how TPP will affect the U.S. Purdue says a lot went into Canada and Mexico exemptions for Trump tariffs. U.S., EU, and Japanese leaders meeting on tariffs, but no resolution. The State Department wants to know how TPP will affect the U.S. Secretary of State Rex Tillerson wants to know how the newly formed Pacific Rim Trade Pact that includes Japan, Canada, Mexico, Australia, and others will impact the U.S. The State Department is conducting a study to find out, but in the meantime, Tillerson said the U.S. looks forward to engaging them on ways to strengthen and expand trade on the basis of fairness and reciprocity. If most U.S. farmers and ranchers had their way, the U.S. would already be a part of a pact that was called the Trans-Pacific Partnership when President Trump pulled the U.S. out of it in January 2017. The remaining 11 members of the renamed Comprehensive and Progressive Trans-Pacific Partnership, or the CPTPP, officially implemented the pact last week at a ceremony in Santiago, Chile. It should take about a year before the provisions to kick in, but when they do, U.S. farmers and ranchers are expecting to start losing market share in Japan for ag products like beef, pork, wheat, and even frozen french fries. U.S. groups like the National Cattlemen's Beef Association are desperate for the U.S. to either rejoin the trade pact or start work on a bilateral free trade agreement with Japan. USDA Undersecretary for Trade and Foreign Agriculture Affairs Ted McKinney will have the opportunity to help tighten ties with the land of the rising sun. He'll soon be leading a trade delegation there. Purdue says a lot went into Canada and Mexico exemptions for Trump tariffs. When the White House trade advisor Peter Navarro was asked on March 4th during Sunday morning talk shows if there would be any country-specific exemptions for steel and aluminum tariffs, he was adamant that there would be none. But by March 7th, the White House was talking about changing that, and the next day, President Trump announced there would be conditional exemptions for Canada and Mexico, possibly others. USDA Chief Sonny Perdue said Friday that he and others put a lot of work into getting those exemptions, and he hopes they'll apply also to European and Asian allies. Perdue told reporters when he was in North Dakota on Friday, I'm grateful, frankly. We worked for the flexibility to make sure Canada and Mexico during these NAFTA negotiations were not included. But Purdue said he's also worried about the effect of the tariffs on other countries that it'll have on the price of farm equipment. He said everything you do with agriculture touches steel, he said. All this equipment and from the cost standpoint of production is a threat. We have to be concerned about that. Purdue is not the only one concerned. The National Corn Growers Association said in a statement on Friday, new tariffs on steel and aluminum might not only trigger retaliation from our trading partners, but could also increase the price farmers pay for necessary equipment such as tractors and combines. The National Corn Growers Association is hopeful that as the administration moves forward, it will work to minimize the impacts upon America's agriculture sector. U.S. EU and Japanese leaders meet on tariffs, but no resolution. European Union and Japan also want exemptions from the U.S. tariffs on steel and aluminum, but the initial negotiations in Brussels this weekend were fruitless, according to EU Trade Commissioner Cecilia Malmström. I had a frank discussion with the U.S. side about the serious pending issues of steel and aluminum tariffs, Malmström said in a tweet after a Saturday meeting 
with Japanese Minister of Economy Hiroshige Seiko and U.S. Trade Representative Robert Lighthizer. As a close security and trade partner of the U.S., the EU must be excluded from the announced measures. No immediate clarity on the exact U.S. procedure for exemption, however, so discussions will continue next week. After unveiling the plan to slap 25% import tariffs on steel and 10% tariffs on aluminum on Thursday, March 8, Trump announced that the exemptions for Canada and Mexico and then noted that other U.S. allies could negotiate their way into exemptions as long as we can agree on a way to ensure that their products no longer threaten our security. The tariffs don't go into effect for at least another 15 days, and we're going to see who is treating us fairly and who is not treating us fairly. Japan is the seventh largest steel exporter to the U.S., while Germany is the eighth, Spain and the Netherlands also export to the U.S. The EU has threatened retaliatory tariffs on a wide variety of U.S. products like bourbon, peanut butter, cranberries, and orange juice. The White House is calling off today's biofuels meeting. Biofuel and oil industry representatives were scheduled to hold a high-stakes meeting in the White House today, but that's been called off, according to sources uh, speaking to AgriPulse. Poet CEO Jeff Brown and Green Plains CEO Todd Becker were scheduled to represent the biofuel sector. Valero CEO Joe Gorder and Monroe Energy CEO Jeff Warman were there to represent oil interests. At the heart of the debate is Trump's proposal for a two-year cap on the price of renewable identification numbers or RENs and regulatory relief to allow summer sale of E15 to increase sales of ethanol. A source tells AgriPulse that the Trump administration said dialogue was not ready to elevate to the White House level just yet. Egypt needs more soybeans. Egyptian companies have been expanding the country's crushing capacity, and that represents a substantial opportunity for U.S. exporters, according to a new report from the USDA's Foreign Agriculture Service. FAS analysis said in the report that local industry aims to produce affordable, high-quality blended oil in addition to high-protein soybean meal for the feed industry. Egypt is now forecast to import 2.8 million tons of soybeans for the 18-19 marketing year. It's a 17% increase from the 2.4 million tons in the 17-18 crop year. Cargill and Cairo-based Alexandria Company for Seed Processing and Derivatives are expected to double their crushing capacity in Egypt, adding 6,000 tons of daily crushing capacity in existing plants. Puerto Rican beekeepers get a helping hand. The Pollinator Partnership has now provided about a 1,000 hives to beekeepers on Puerto Rico who suffered catastrophic damages from Hurricane Maria and Irma. Partnership Director Val Dulcini recently returned from Puerto Rico where he said recovery efforts have yet to restore power throughout the island. NPR recently reported that 11% of the island still lacks power. The partnership has raised about $20,000 of its $50,000 GoFundMe goal to help beekeepers in Puerto Rico, with contributions coming from a variety of sources, including fellow beekeepers throughout the U.S. Dulcini told AgriPulse he's working with agribusinesses to develop an apprenticeship program on the island. He also gave credit to groups such as the American Beekeeping Federation, American Honey Producers Association, and the National Honey Board. 
There were about 150 beekeepers on the island before the storms. Dalsini said he hopes that the partnership can uh, get that number back to well more than 100. There is a lot of work to do, he said. Well, that's Daybreak for this Monday, March 12th. AgriPulse Daybreak is brought to you by Watkinson Miller and the United Soybean Board. For the latest news out of Washington, D.C., visit AgriPulse.com. For AgriPulse Daybreak, I'm Jeff Dowling.